I think we met just before you had your first jubilee. How many years have you been having that? Fifteen. So a little over fifteen years. I was thinking those old songs that Rick was singing tonight. Uh, Jesus, how I love thee. And what a friend we have in Jesus. I used to preach down Alabama quite a bit back years ago when I was young. And they had what they call sacred heart singing down there. You know, they'd sing the shape notes, the verse of it, and then they'd sing the verse of the song. When I went to uh, music school back when I was young, some of the old preachers taught us that. I remember, so, so, la, do, mi, mi, re, do, so, fa, 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 mi, re, do, how they linger ever near me. Precious sacred scenes unfold. I'm sitting there tonight and I thought it's been a blessing uh, knowing you, Brother Paul, you folks. Sister Max Helen, you gave me one of the greatest honors that any preacher could have. I come here and preached and a few times and she told me one day, said, you're on my list of favorite preachers, boys. My head swelled up that big. And I... Uh, I sat there and thought, I said, my goodness, all the great preachers are probably preaching this church, Brother Billy Mitchell, different ones, and she'd put me on that list, man. That was a great honor, sis. Uh, you folks have been dear friends. I appreciate you. Had some precious memories over the years. and I was telling your sister there, we was up Camp Canaan one year, and uh, she sang that song, I Know a Man Who Can. And the Lord kind of impressed me to get up leave a testimony, and of course, Brother Sheets, we called him the general, you know, he kind of controlled things, and I didn't, I didn't want to cross the general, <laughs> and I guess I sat there and kind of grieved the Holy Spirit, well, next day, she sung it again, I said, well, I'm going to, whether the general gets mad or not, I said, uh, she's talking about, I know a man, and I said, uh, studying the Bible, if you got within seven steps of Solomon, there were six steps and a kneeling stool, you was on your face before him. I said, it was such a joy to be on first name basis with the King of Kings Amen. and Lord of Lords. I'm glad to know a man tonight. Yes. I uh, had the privilege to preach for Brother Paul. He asked me to come preach for him before he ever heard me preach up there. He said, you preached for Brother Prophet, didn't you? I said, yeah. He said, well, come preach for me. And I said, man, he ain't never heard me preach and he's going to have me come down. That's, that's by faith. <laughs> <laughs> a crazy one <laughs> and uh, we appreciate them having us over every year it's been such a blessing knowing them in the Sunday school lesson this morning they was teaching on John chapter 9 so open your Bibles to John chapter 9 I thought about preaching this but I didn't know if the Sunday school teacher think I was just preaching it because he was teaching on it and everything like that so I preached something else over there so I'll try to leave this thought with you tonight okay Brother Rick, if you would open up your Bible to Isaiah 42, please, and just mark a place there. And uh, somebody else, one of you men here in the church, open your Bibles to Acts uh, chapter 1, okay? I'm not going to read all those scriptures. I'm just going to make a comment about them. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. That was a Sunday school lesson over this morning, the Assembly Baptist Church. Skip down to verse 6. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle 
And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He sent his, sent his way, therefore, excuse me, and washed, and he went his way. I'm maybe saying the wrong word. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came seeing. You may be seated. I appreciate your honor in the reading of God's word. Amen. Now, in Isaiah 42, the, Rick, the latter part of verse 6, he said he's going to give someone as a covenant to the people, right? right. As a light to the Gentiles. And then, if you would, just stand up and read the first five words in that verse 7, please. To open the blinded eyes. To open the blinded eyes. I think those verses are Messianic verses pertaining to the Messiah. Amen. He's going to give him as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles. And one of his qualifications was, let me say this now. There's qualifications for we that are pastors or bishops today. There's also qualifications for apostles. That's why I teach there's no apostles this day and age unless they're false apostles. In order to be an apostle, you had to have seen the Lord. That's one of the qualifications. Now, Jesus, if he's the Messiah, and that word Messiah means anointed one. As I said this morning in preaching, the word Christ means the same thing, anointed one. If he's the Messiah, if he's the real deal, then he must be able to open the eyes of the blind. Right. Now, John took a whole chapter here to give us this miracle. If you study Mark's gospel, a lot of times he'd have Jesus doing two or three miracles in a chapter. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was strange, put a whole chapter on just one miracle. See, the Lord took 11 chapters just 11 chapters to give us the, uh, in the book of Genesis, to give us approximately 2,000 years of history. 11 chapters, 2,000 years. He gave us the creation, Adam's fall, the wickedness of man on the earth, and the building of the ark, all 11 chapters. And John here takes one chapter to give us this miracle, a whole chapter. In Acts 1 and verse 8, whoever turned there, go ahead and stand up. I'm going to try to quote it. If I don't quote it right, you uh, read it for me. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness of me both in Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, all Smyrna, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Did I get it right? Now, I want to try to preach tonight on God's witness protection program. He told those disciples not to depart from Jerusalem, but they'd receive power after the Holy Ghost come upon them. Uh, not to have some kind of special gift, but to receive power, and you shall be witness unto me. Both in Jerusalem, Judea, all Smyrna, and the uttermost parts of When you start witnessing for Christ, you'll get in trouble. Back in the 70s, the federal government had a problem. Every time they would arrest one of the uh, syndicate or mafia people, before they could get them to trial, they would, uh, the witnesses would end up clamming up or disappearing. Yeah. 
So the federal government came up with a federal government witness protection program. So what they do, they take the witnesses and they'd uh, relocate them. And then they would uh, give them a new identity and they'd give them money to live on, protect them. But they're not the first ones to come up with that witness protection program. God had it all along. Amen. And that's what I want to preach on tonight. We uh, looked there in Isaiah, like I said, said one of the qualifications of Messiah, he must open the blind eyes. If he's the real deal, he had to be able to do that. Amen. Now, you notice in verse 1 I read to you, this man was blind from birth. Now, in our chapter here, 9, you look down at verse 32, you find something interesting there. It said, since the world began. Is that what it says? Everybody there with me? It says, since the world began, was it not heard that one opened the eyes of one born blind? It said, since creation, we've never heard of nobody opened somebody's eyes that was born blind. So Jesus passed by and he saw this man that was blind at birth. Yeah. And uh, now there had been people that maybe had an accident and had lost their sight temporarily and maybe they got healed from it. Maybe the doctor come up with some kind of medicine and opened up their eyes but said, we've never heard of nobody opening anybody's eyes that was born blind before since the world begun. I mean, not Solomon and all of his wisdom, not Isaiah the great prophet. Not Jeremiah or none of those old prophets of old. Not Elijah with all of his miracles. Or Elias, which maybe, uh, Elisha, excuse me, which maybe did twice as many miracles that Elijah did. So we've never heard of any of those old prophets that opened up somebody's eyes as born blind. Right. Not since the world. But now if Jesus is the Messiah, his qualification was over in Isaiah, he had to open the blinded eyes. And he did this year. This man, like I said, was beginning to called on to witness for the Lord. He needed to be put in God's witness program. If you look back in verse 11 with me, he said, uh, I asked him, they began to interrogate him, began to question him. He said, uh, all right. Verse 10 said, Therefore said they unto him, How were thine eyes open? He answered and said, now notice this, that there's a man that is called Jesus. He made it clay, anointed my eyes, said, go wash. I went, and I washed, and I come see him. Amen. Jesus healed a lot of folks different times. Sometimes he'd uh, just touch them. Yeah. Sometimes he'd speak, and here he did something we would think maybe be unsanitary. He kind of spit, spat on the ground there, took the clay and made a spittle, and putting on the man's eyes. and Somebody said, what do you think? The per- I, I don't really know, but I've often wondered, was this man born with some kind of deformity? Maybe part of his eye was missing, and as creator, he reached down there and got a little piece of clay. And he, I mean, he did create Adam out of dust of the earth, did he not? Did he reach down there and get a little piece of clay and make that eye part that was missing and told him, go wash the dust off? He said, that's what happened. There's a man, man called Jesus. And so they... They thought this might be a scam. You know, I mean, he's sitting out there. You know, you see that by the roadside. We'll work for money. They, they really won't work. 
they thought this might be a scam, you know what I'm saying? So they go and they get some of his friends and they come and they said, is this the one that's born blind? They said, someone said, I think it's him. Another said, well, he's like him. He looks like him. In other words, we're not really for sure. And so then they come back and they interrogate him again. The second time. That's the way the devil does you and I. He wants to see if we'll keep our testimony over the years. Look with me in verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said, he put clay in my eyes. I washed. I told you that already. Now come see him. And they said, now who'd you say this was? Look at verse 17. This gets better as it goes along. He said, well... He first said over there in verse 7, he said, it was a man called Jesus. And he said, boy, now he stepped up on the ladder. He said, he's a prophet. Amen. He said, uh, he's not just any ordinary man. He, he, he's a prophet. And so they still think it's a scam. And they, they call his parents up here and they say, is this your boy? That's, yeah, he's our son. Was he born blind? Yeah, he was born. Now, listen, since the world was, we've never heard of anyone opening the eyes of someone's born blind. I mean, it's just hard for us to accept. His parents was afraid because they said if anyone was found following after Christ, they'd kick him out of the synagogue. They'd go get excluded, excommunicated from the worship of the church, in other words. And so they called his parents up there and they said, is this, is this your son? They said, yeah, that's our son. Was he born blind? They said, yeah, he's born blind. Well, let me ask you, how did he get his eyesight? And they said, he's of age, ask him. They're afraid to go get the synagogue. And so, they come back to him the third time. They begin to question him. And they looked up there in verse 29 and said, We know that God spake unto Moses, as for this fellow. Now, if you'll notice in your Bible, that word fellow is in italic. That means the words or letters are kind of lean to the right a little bit. Now, they said that when the translators translate the Bible, they're not adding to it and they're not taking away from it, but when they translated the Bible over in English of Certain words to try to give clarification sometimes, they would put it in italic. Uh, like Psalm 14, it says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. And the words there is in italic. So if you take it back in the original where it's written, he said, The fool has said in his heart, No God. It's good either way. Right. But they was trying to give clarification to the scriptures. And so here. They said, Moses, he was all right, but this, this fellow here, I, I don't know, but I've often wondered that they called Jesus such a bad name that the Holy Ghost just said, I'll submit that and write this fellow down here. It's just a thought. And then they questioned him, and he gave that verse in 32. Then in verse 33, 
If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. He started out with a man called Jesus. He started out come up to being a prophet. Now he's a man of God. So in verse 34, they cast him out of the synagogue. Verse 35 through 38, Jesus found him. And Jesus said, they kicked me out too. He said, they kicked you out, but I'll take you in. Let's talk to some men in the Bible and see if there's any of them that ever need to be put in God's witness protection program. If we could talk to Moses tonight and say, Moses, do you ever have a need to be put in God's witness protection program? He would say, yes, sir. Before I was ever born, Pharaoh made a decree that all the male children, Hebrew children, were to be cast in the Nile there uh, and to be killed there. He said, but God put me in that witness protection program and he put fear in the midwife's heart when they would go over to help deliver those uh, Hebrew children. He said the midwives would tell the Pharaoh, said, well, those Hebrew women are strong and before we get there, they've already delivered and we ain't got no part of it there. He said, listen, he said, my mother made a bull rush and she put me out there on the uh, Nile River. And at that time, there was alligators in that river. I mean, she made a little uh, ark there, put him in there. But you know what? He said, I had nothing to worry about because I was in God's witness protection program. He said, listen, said the Holy Ghost. Now, Moses, boy, you talk about a good baby. He wasn't allowed to cry or nothing for three months, sir. And so the Holy Ghost, I said, kind of breathed up on that Nile River and let that little ark roll down there right where he knew Pharaoh's daughter would be out there to take a bath. And so then when Pharaoh's daughter came out there to bath, he said, go ahead and cry. <laughs> Moses cried out. God could put compassion in her heart. And listen, Moses, you say, well, did God, uh, when he relocated, did he relocate you? Yes, sir. Moses said, he took me out of the tent, put me in the palace over there. Uh, did he educate you? Yes, sir. He was educated in the schools of the Egyptians there. It was one of the best schools in the world at that time. Uh, did he give you money? Yes, sir. Uh, Pharaoh financed his education. His mother was brought over to teach him his heritage there. Listen, it's the best thing in the world to be in God's witness protection program today. I'm glad when he saved me 60 years ago. I don't know the exact date. Brother Paul was talking about it this morning. But I just know it was in the summertime 60 years ago. God saved me and he put me in that witness protection program. Amen. And I praise God for it tonight. Uh, Moses, did you ever have any need for that as you go through life? Well, certainly. God told me to go down there and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Uh, did that happen? Yeah, we know the story after all the plagues and everything. And whenever uh, we started to leave out of there, we got over here to the Red Sea. Here Pharaoh's army's behind us. The mountain's on one side. The desert's on the other side. And the sea is before us. Uh, what happened there? The Bible teaches us that God said, Moses, head them up, move them out. That's, that's a rawhide theme, okay? Head them up, move them out. Go forward, Moses. The people, listen, the people's ready to stone Moses over at the Red Sea. But God took care of him. God had him in that witness protection program. Uh, God said, Moses, stretch your rod out over the sea. It opened up. And you know what God did? God went over Easter there, the Bible said, and got a wind. You know what's east of that? The desert. God went over on the desert, got the desert heat, brought it over there, dried up the bottom of that uh, Red Sea there, and they walked across on dry ground there. He was in witness, God's witness protection program. He didn't have to worry about Pharaoh tonight. Moses, did you have any other times that you needed to be? Oh, yes. When I got over there, in the desert, the people got angry with me and was going to stone me. Right? Time after time again. But I was in that witness protection program. 
and the devil couldn't harm me. Uh, what about Korah and uh, those folks over there? They rose up against Moses and wanted to kick him out of office. They said, you put Aaron in because he's your brother. It's not really God's will. And they wanted to usurp him and put somebody else in there. Listen, Moses said, what? What took place there? He said, God opened up the earth, swallowed Korah and his bunch alive, and they went down in the pit alive there. Hey, he was in God's witness protection program. It's danger to mess with God's people today, folks. Moses, how long did this witness protection program last? What lasted up till I died? He said, God buried me, and the devil's still disputing over where my body's at. He's still trying. Hey, that's how good this witness protection program is. He said, God buried me, and the devil's still trying to find out where my body's at. Hey, listen, this witness protection program is good for a Christian's eternity, for a Christian's lifetime down here today. Could we talk to somebody else and say, Joseph, did you ever have a need to be in God's witness protection program? We know the story. In Genesis 35, God spoke to Jacob and said, Arise and go back to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. That's what you've got here, right? Bethel, Baptist Church, the house of God. I like that. Beth is a Hebrew word for house, and El is a Hebrew word for God. Bethel, the house of God. He said, Jacob, arise and go back to Bethel. And he told his people, said, Now listen. He said, we're going to church today. And said, there's some things we've got to do first. He said, you've got to put away your false gods. What would be good for America, would it not be? He said, we're going to, back to Bethel. And they took, now what it was, they took their earrings and their gold trinkets and everything. What it was on those earrings, stuff like that, nothing wrong with you girls wearing earrings, stuff like that, but those earrings had little and sickness, and they had inscriptions of the pagan gods on them. So they took all them pagan gods, all that earrings off, and all the gold trinkets and everything, and they buried them under an oak tree out by Shechem. Now, if you study the Bible, when Joseph, his father sent him to check on his brothers to kind of spy on them, see how they's doing, he knew how they were. And Joseph, excuse me, Joseph met a man out there, and he said, have you seen my brothers out here? He said, yeah. He said, I, I, think they're, I think I saw them over by Shechem. I've often wondered, did them boys go back over and dig up them false gods in that oak tree there? See, sometimes, listen folks, sometimes it's, it's easy to get your children out of the world, but it's hard to get the world out of your children sometimes. I wonder they go, I, I just wonder now, I don't know, the Bible don't say whether it's done, but it's kind of strange that they went over there by Shechem to feed their sheep, lead their sheep over there where that sat there. Joseph, like I said, we know the story, they sold him, but he said God was with him, listen, in the pit, God was with him in the prison, but God was with him in the palace down there. Hey, Joseph, did you ever need to be in God's protection? Well, certainly I did, witness protection program, certainly I did. Look at my brothers, they wanted to kill me, but God was with me in that pit down there, and God delivered me out. I was in prison, and God delivered me out of there. I was in the palace and God was with me there. Hey, it's because God has witness protection program was good for Joseph. It's good for you and I tonight. I've often said Joseph was second in command and he'd ride in the chariot next to Pharaoh and when the Pharaohs rode down the streets everybody had to bow. Now can you imagine Potiphar and his wife? You know the one lied on him? And he believed her, his wife, and had Joseph put in prison. Can you imagine when Joseph come right? Hey, folks, that's the way it is with the Lord. Today they may curse him. Yeah, you're right. Today they may blaspheme him. 
They, they may say everything in the world bad about him, but one of these days they're going to bow before him. You hear what I said? Every, as I live, says God, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as I live, says God, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're going to bow before him one day after a while. Amen. What about them, our Hebrew boys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah. You think they might have been triplets? <laughs> their, their names are always put together, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We know the story. They come up to Shadrach and said, we've got an image out here. said, we'll know if you'll bow down and worship. He probably said, no. said, I look at that image. said, that image could burn. I need a God that won't burn. I might get in a fire one day after a while. He probably looked at Meshach and said, do you want to bow down? He said, no. said, that image is on rollers. He's movable. said, I want a God that's unmovable. Amen. I'm glad that my Lord's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes with time and stuff like that. Did you hear what I said? I said, listen, and his book today, it never changes. It don't need any revisions or improvements today. Science books need improved and updated. Uh, medical books need improved and updated. But the Bible don't need... It's the book of ages for all ages tonight, folks. No, I need a... A God that's unmovable. They probably looked at Abednego and said, You want to bow down? He said, No. He said, That old God can't talk, and I need a God that talks with me and walks with me. I need a God that's there to answer me when I hear him. Listen, when you and I pray, we're talking to God. When we read the Bible, God's talking to us today. And so he said, no, no, I can't worship a God like that. I need a God that can talk. I need a God that walks with me and talks with me, and I'm glad he does tonight, folks. Listen, those boys was in that witness protection program. You know the story. They heated up that furnace seven times hotter than what it was. They threw them in there. It burnt the ropes off. They come out of there, not even smelling like they'd been smoking cigarettes or anything like that. <laughs> I just threw that in. <laughs> we get a little mean sometimes. I thank God for his witness protection program. Amen. Could we talk to some other folks tonight? What about Daniel? Daniel, you ever had a need to be in God's witness protection program? Well, certainly. I remember when they told me I couldn't pray publicly. See, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews that there were some that refused deliverance they may, that they may obtain a more perfect resurrection. I've looked at that verse a lot of times over the years. They refused deliverance, they might obtain a more perfect resurrection. Now how can it be more perfect, a resurrection? I mean, when we get out of the grave, we're going to get a glorified body. But what if those Hebrew boys would have said, well, we're far from home and nobody over here knows us and if we bow down, nobody's going to know about it. But they stood before God one day. Don't you think, Lord, so why couldn't you just trust me? Yeah. A more perfect resurrection. 
I think Sam will form now. <laughs> we stood the test. And old Daniel. Now those windows, I don't think were necessarily glass windows or plate glass windows. I think they're just old shutters. Daniel could have closed those shutters and prayed silently. Let's have a silent moment of silence. No, no. We need to cry aloud. Amen. Do you hear what I said? If there was a time that God's people need to be crying to God, it's this day and age which we're living in. Daniel could have closed those shutters. But I, I think he maybe had read something about Solomon when he dedicated that temple. When he dedicated that temple, he said, God, if your people was ever taken captive, if there was much as look back towards this holy city and towards this place here. He said, they just must look back. Would you, would you hear? <laughs> when you deliver? I think Daniel may have read that or heard somebody yeah. preach Amen. it one day. And when old Daniel got to pray, he could have closed those shutters. He got down there and said a solid prayer. Sure. Huh? But listen, he refused deliverance that he might receive a more perfect resurrection. Listen, he opened up them shutters. He looked back towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. And we know the story. Hey, he was in God's witness protection program. And they put him in the den of lions. Not just a lion's den. The lion's den can be empty. But they put him in a den of lions. It was full of lions down there. But the angel of the Lord come and shut the lion's mouth. And Daniel laid down there on the lion's shoulder and went to sleep. I said, you can imagine Daniel laying down there sleeping. But meanwhile, back up in the palace. The old kings are marching back and forth marching back and forth wondering what's happened to old Daniel he goes out there the next morning looks Daniel <laughs> that God is why yeah that you serve is he able to deliver you why yeah I've been in his witness protection program all along he sent his angel he shut the lion's mouth down here I rested good tonight it's good to be in God's witness protection program what about old Stephen When they stoned him, he said, he looked into heaven. I see the Son of Man. Now, wait a minute. That Son of Man is a messianic title for Christ. He said, I see the Messiah. You, you, the nation of Israel missed him when he came down here. He came to his own, his own received nothing. Stephen said, now, now listen. If he'd have said, I see the Son of God, they'd have said, well, yeah, he's always been up there in heaven. He said, but I see the Son of Man. I see him, the God-man. I see the one that was the incarnate Savior. I see him that was virgin-born. I see him that walked down here 33 years plus. I see him that went to Calvary and died. Hey, he, he's standing at the right hand. He's no longer seating up. Every time we read about it, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But listen, whenever his children get in trouble, he stands up. He had uh, old Stephen in that witness protection program. I think he was saying, Stephen, uh, you stood up for me. I'm going to stand up for you. Hey, I'm glad that God will stand up for us tonight, aren't you? Hey, Stephen, uh, come on home. God put him in that witness protection program and took him home up there. And he looked up to steadfast to heaven and said, Father, lay this not to their charge. Almost the same way. Our Lord said at Calvary, forgive them for they know not what they do. Amen. What about old Paul the Apostle? Yeah. Well, if there's anybody ever need to be in the witness, he needed to be in one. He said, five times received I forty, save one stripe. 
That means five different times they gave him 39 stripes. Five forties is 200. Take five away from that. That's 195 stripes. No wonder he could stand and say, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord. They stoned him and left him for dead. You know what God did? God said, come up here and visit me for a while. <laughs> I knew a man said about 13 years ago, well, then spirit, I don't know what. He was called up that third heaven, even paradise. See, Paul could have bragged about a lot of things in this life down here. He could. Uh, he had apostolic powers. He had seen the Lord. Yes. He could pray over handkerchiefs and aprons, and they'd take them and lay them up on the sick. And now, not no power in that handkerchief, but they'd be made whole. Faith. Right. There's a bunch several years ago. I just throw this in. Several years ago, they had a bunch on TV and radio and stuff like that. They was selling handkerchiefs they'd prayed over and aprons and stuff like that. One of had a wallet one time. He said he'd prayed over it and as long as you got that wallet, he said you'd never be broke. And he's going to give it to you for five dollars. I said, now that's kind of stupid. If I had a wallet, that'd be like giving away the gold goose that laid the golden egg for five bucks. <laughs> if I had a wallet, as long as I had it, I'm never going to be broke. I'm not going to let you have no five dollars now. They sent my father-in-law one of those letters. I tore it up before I brought it, got to his, back to his apartment. He lived there in Cincinnati. And I was on the road one night, late at night, and I'd heard this fellow. He said he had prayed over a rope. And if we were sent to get that and tie it around us, it'd make us lose weight. <laughs> And that, that'd be worth five dollars, wouldn't it? Tied <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> around your throat and you can lose one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Wanda and I, my wife, we was going off to Florida or someplace one year. It was late in the morning. I'd sometimes leave after church. And it was two or three o'clock in the morning. He was on the air. So I woke her up. I said, You gotta hear this fellow. He's got a deal that you won't believe. <laughs> And before he went off, he said, oh, and by the way, he said, for you skinny people, he said, it works reverse. It'll make you gain weight. <laughs> I said, what if it worked reverse on us fat folks? We'd be in trouble. <laughs> now, listen, Paul had been called up to third heaven. He could glory about those things. He could glory in the fact that he had more revelation than any other disciple there was. He wrote 13, maybe 14 books, if you give him credit for the book of Hebrew there. But you know what he said? He said, because of the abundance of revelation, because God gave me so much of it. Yeah. I was given the messenger of Satan, a thorn in the flesh, right. that I might not, what? Get exalted above measure. Yeah. Amen. In other words, I might not get the big head. Right. Oh, God had to keep him in that witness protection yes. program, unless he'd yeah. get exalted above himself. Huh? Unless he'd brag on his own self and brag what he could do and brag what, hey, listen, it's in him that we live and move and have our being. If we live, Paul said, we're the Lord's. If we die, we're the Lord's. Whether we live, whether we die, we're the Lord. And when Paul left out of this life down here, he said, hey, he was down there and I said in Nero Fire Road Dungeon, I said he got 
killed by execution, his head being cut off. That's what history teaches us. He's sitting down in that dungeon. Probably, I don't know if they used a guillotine or a sword, but if it was a guillotine, here that guillotine go down, chop somebody's head off. And he's sitting there and he said, bring me a pen and a piece of paper. Now, Paul, listen to me, Paul. He taught, turned every home into a prayer room, every street corner into a pulpit. Yeah. When they thought they had him conquered, whipped, he proved that the pen is minor than a sword, and he conquered Rome by writing letters. He said, bring me a pen and paper here. He said, the time my departure is at hand, said, I, I know I'm ready to be offered. He looked at himself as a sacrificial offering. We put an order. He said, time my departure is at hand, said, I fought a good fight. Now, listen, Paul never won every battle. There was times he had to be let down in a basket and plead for his life. He said, well, I'll let the devil know I was here. It's like I used to tell folks when I ran around on the streets when I was lost in Cincinnati up there. And sometimes I I got whipped. And sometimes there'd be two or three of them, sometimes big old fellas. And I'd always say, I'm going to get one lick in. I'd sucker punch them. I know it's going to get whipped, but I, I'd haul back off and let them have a good one. I got beat to death one night in the hallway like that. <laughs> Big old tall boy. <laughs> but I'd get one good lick. I think that's what Paul said. I may have not have won every battle, but I fought a good fight. I let the devil know I was around here. And I finished my course, and I kept the faith. He was able to say that because God had put him in that witness protection program. The devil would have killed him a long time ago before he ever gave us those Nine epistles to the church. Listen, it's good to be in God's witness protection program. We could go all through the Bible and look and turn with me tonight to Revelations chapter 1. We see that Beloved disciple. This is a disciple that Jesus trusted taking care of his mother with. Remember at the cross? Son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. And from that day she went to abide in John's house. Man, that's... But, you know, sometimes we talk about the virgin birth and the virgin mother, but boy, I think her husband, earthly husband, Joseph, is to be commended sometimes. God trusts him with raising his son. Well, what a Savior we have tonight. What a God we have tonight. Verse 9, Revelation 1. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. For what reason? For the word of God, the testimony of Jesus Christ. John said, I'm glad God had me in that witness protection program. I was exiled. See, history teaches us that 
they uh, boiled John in oil. They didn't kill him. They said, what are we going to do with that old Baptist preacher? Exile him. Get rid of him. He said, I was on that hour called Patmos for the testimony of God. That was the reason. I said, this man that I'm preaching about, he was called to give a testimony. Who was it that gave you eyesight? He said, there's a man called Jesus. Amen. I, I think he's a prophet, and he, he must have been of God. <laughs> John was out there and by himself, and he said, all of a sudden, I, I saw and I heard, and I saw and I heard. And I saw and I heard, and he started penning it down for you and I today. Amen. Turn over to chapter 7. I forget what verse it is. It, is it verse 14, 17, something like that? I, I saw a number. Nine. Nine. Okay, thank you. I missed my whole, all the both numbers. If I kept guessing, I'd have probably got, got it right. Young man, read that for me. I saw a lot of... After this, I beheld and lo... Go ahead and stand up so they can hear you. After this, I beheld and lo a multitude. Is that what it said? A great multitude. Yeah, a great multitude. Go ahead. Which no man could number. number. Of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. All right. Now, skip down. Is it... Is it verse 17? There's a verse in there someplace. He asked the question. One of the elders asked the question. What's that? 13. Thank you, sir. That elder asked the question. He said, Whence are these? Where did they come from? And John said, Sir, thou knowest. These came what? What does it say there? Came out. Out of the great tribulation. Had the robes what? Washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. How'd they get out of that tribulation? I mean, that's a day Jesus said like never was or ever has been. Or ever shall be. They had to be in God's witness protection program. Don't you think so, sir? Listen, if you look back over in the first part of chapter 7, he seals 144,000. He tells the angel, hold up the raft. Hold it up till I get them. My servants sealed in their forehead there. Hey, I'm glad that God's got a witness protection program for his people. He's got one for the Jews there. That's 144,000, yeah. right? right? He's going to seal them. Is that not a good witness protection program? Amen. He's one of Brother Homer. That's tribulation saints. But turn over to Revelation 19. I'm, I'm coming to a close here, so bear with me a few minutes. Okay. Get that verse where he gets up on that white horse there, brother. And the armies in heaven following. I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful. And true and in righteousness he doeth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven. Now pause there. Him. Pause there, please. The what? 
the army which were in heaven. I think John could look back and said, Homer, I saw you in there. I, I'm going to be in that number. I'm coming back with him. I'm going to be raptured out one day. That's why I said we're going out of here like Superman coming back like the Long Ranger and White Horses. I'm going out of here. I'm going to be up there for about seven years. And after God, the judgment seat of Christ, burnt all the dross off of me. We're going to get saddled up and coming back with yeah. Old John, I think, say, Homer, I saw you in that number. Brother Prophet, he could tell you I saw you there in that number. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because we've been good. No, 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 because 60 years ago this summer, there's a story the Apostle Paul, when he was in Rome, he ran across a runaway slave named Onesimus. And he got saved, and Paul wrote that little letter back to Philemon at this one chapter there. And in that letter, he said, If he oweth thee aught, in other words, he owe you anything, he said, Put it on my account, he said, I'll pay it. Right. Sixty years ago, the Lord Jesus looked up to Heavenly Father and said, Homer Hensley owes you anything, put it on my account, I'll pay it. Amen. I've written it down with my own hands here. I've been saved for 60 years and I'm in that number not because I've been good not because I'm a preaching Amen. but hey because 60 years ago God saved me by His grace put me in His witness protection program and because I'm in that program I'm going to be in that number that's coming back with Him one day after a while. I praise Him for His grace tonight. Amen. I've been saved for 60 years because what I owed He put on His account. Amen. And if you see me 60 years from now I'll still be saved because what I owed, he put on his account. And we, we're in heaven, enjoying the blessings of God throughout all eternity. I'll be there because what I owed, he put on his account. He put me in that witness protection program, and he's taking me home. Amen. I praise him. I'm finished, sir.